Hello and welcome. We're now on episode 11 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, it is a week where the Glasgow clan managed to throw away a 4 0 lead against the Steelers. Um, Nottingham beat the Five Flyers in a 3 2 shootout thriller, and the Flames gave the Storm a drubbing, sorry, Greth, um, 8 3 on Sunday evening. Uh, as usual, we are joined today by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Good evening. Um, we are joined by Mr. Gareth Dutton. Good evening. Who is Gareth Dutton? Question on everybody's minds. The legless wonder. He's gained his teeth and lost his legs. Um, and we are joined by Mr. Andy Stafford. Hi, Andy. How are we doing? Good evening. Good evening. So, <laughs> gents, um, again, fair few games gone on over the weekend. Um, Gref, do you want to start us off? What were your highlights over the weekend's games just gone? My highlights were probably have been the Storm the Guildford game at home Nari. great game to watch it was a much better game than what you would have saw on the Sunday Storm came out with a 3-2 victory an, an amazing game full of emotions that will come to later yeah absolutely uh, certainly an emotion filled game uh, particularly for certain people um, Dave what, what were your highlights um, it has to be uh, north of the border and I'm going to go for the weekend for the Steelers um, given the, their start of the season to, to pull um, a result out of, in Glasgow being 4-0 down um, shows a lot of character and the new belief that they've got and then going into five, which has been a difficult place all season and you know really owning the game 6-2 very good result uh, against a high-flying side so that's my highlight high-flying side of the Flyers no pun intended Andy, what, what, were your, uh, what were your highlights, Andy? Um, it's the only game I've seen, really. Uh, but the uh, Sheffield Bay game, it's coming from uh, four goals down. Uh, and then to get the result like that and on the road with so many fans uh, in, in, in attendance is, is incredible. Uh, to push it all away, to tie it, and then to get the game on and goal in overtime, it, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it certainly was, and uh, I agree. Yeah, the, the travelling support for the Steelers and the amount of people that we took really was quite, quite something. Um, I'm going to say for me, um, bit of a turnaround week for the Cardiff Devils. Uh, we've often raved about them a fair bit on here. We've often said how good and how strong a team they are. Fairness, Belfast looking like a team that are out to make a statement and are out to uh, to take the league this year. Certainly out to uh, to compete against the Devils, but after a bit of a rocky couple of weeks they've come back they played Nottingham in what was bound to be a difficult game obviously got the 3-2 overtime win against them uh, and then they came back played the Stars on the Sunday to get a 6-3 win so certainly back to winning ways for the Devils um, and obviously a convincing win on the Sunday as well Just another one and the amount of comments from people around the league saying how good Back onto the point Andy made about the, the Steelers fans' attendance, over 200. Um, I, quite, I appreciate it was a double header weekend, but a great number went up, and all the comments have been great about the fans. Um, loud throughout the whole, uh, both games. Credit to the club. Um, you normally see double headers a good number for any team. Um, Sheffers are the first one, so congratulations, guys, who went up there. Um, sorry I couldn't have joined you. Yeah, certainly, um, certainly one that we were looking at doing at the start of the year. Always nice to do, do that trip, but. 
you know the difference maker in those kind of away games is the number of fans that you take and, and how those fans are and, and it certainly looked like uh, it was an atmosphere that you'd want to be a part of so um, a big a big up to the Steelers fans that made the travel up there and in fairness big up to the Steelers as well I mean 4-0 against uh, 4-0 down against Glasgow showing good character to come back um, Dave what kind of has to happen from a team to throw away a four goal lead does it I mean, do you think it was a case that Sheffield came back so strong or do you think it was a case that Glasgow just took the foot off the pedal I'll be honest and I'm relying over the recent times of the highlights of it, but everyone's talking about this inner and part of this inner steel within the team now that they just don't believe they've lost a game and, that, and Friday night was a classic demonstration. You're four 0 down. You've, you, you're out of the game. You're done, dusted. You, you save yourself for, for the next day. No, this team's gone. No, we're not having that. We're going to still win this game. Equalising late on in the game to take it to overtime, and then to, to to get that extra point. It's showing what Barasso has done to this group of guys with a couple of additions. You know, let's, let's be fair. He's only made one or two additions. So the same set of players that were signed at the beginning of the season. He what he's done to this team in turnaround has been very good and it's showing them in a, in a light now you say they play a Cardiff or a Belfast or not even now five, six weeks before and you might go oh this is going to be a bit of a, a cricket score now the way they're playing I, I think more it's the, the team and the way they're playing they're now a, a team that competes to the bitter end don't know that they've lost and they're getting goals from everywhere not just the forward you know the defence has really stepped in I know you, it helps with O'Connor coming back but Matheson's getting a few more goals so I think it is a key to how strong the Steelers are. Um, but if you're a Glasgow fan, you're falling up at home. And by the highlights I've seen, not a lot of fight to try and keep that win. It speaks volumes um, for that team at the moment. And I know they got the win the night after against MK, but even still, losing a, a, a home game when you're falling up must have hurt badly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Gref, I'm not going to come to you about throwing away a four-goal lead because um, that's just doesn't... It's not worth talking about. So, uh, moving on. Um, obviously, <laughs> they, were our, they were our highlights of the weekend. For a certain bunch of Elite League fans, there would have been a different highlight to the weekend. You see what I did there? Nice little segue into the next section. Um, yes, the Belfast Giants fans, obviously... Uh, would have expectedly been in full attendance for their team's games in the Continental Cup. Um, so, obviously, we, uh, we, we we covered the first game on the last episode. Since then, the Giants took on Renon on Friday and, uh, and got a 6-2 win against them. Uh, and then also, obviously, played Katowice on the Saturday uh, and got a 4-2 loss against them. Dave, do you want to give us a bit more of an update on that? Because I know that you're a bit more aware as to what's going on in that in the Conti Cup. <laughs> so um, the, the headline was that the Giants qualify for the the Super Final, um, becoming only the second British team to do the Super Final on multiple occasions. The first being the Steelers last year, um, and it was unlucky for Zagreb, um, Belfast, uh, Katowice, and Zagreb ended up on six points, uh, and in the mini league. Zagreb was wants to lose out, um, which is absolutely you know really unfortunate. But uh, a great weekend for the Giants. Over fifteen thousand people attended across the six games, um, which is good for any tournament on, on that nature. You normally get ten, twelve thousand. Game fifteen is very good, anyway. Um, so well done the Giants to get the people in there. And you know what we said? I said last week. You know, home advantage will give them the key, um, and it showed. 
Um, I mean, they were lucky against Katowice. They were two 0 up. Um, Katowice, um, a strong side. You know, they've they've had the last two years in the CHL, um, and this was the first time that they made the super final. Uh, listening to their coach in interview after the game uh, on on the the Belfast Giants TV highlights. So they they've gone through as as the best team, um, and they've got a final with Katowice again, and they will be playing against Gomel of Belarus and Kokshetau of the Kazakhstan League. Um, so how, how it works is that they'll be bidding for the to host the Super Final, uh, but the rumours are already that Belfast have been given the nod that they'll be hosting the Super Final, um, which will be you know all guns blazing to win the Continental Cup. Um, Belfast have a history of hosting great events. You know they have the Friendship Tournament from the NCAA, they've had the World Championships, they've had the Boston Bruins. They, they know how to host events, so. If the rumours are correct, it's not surprising. Um, but, you know, I wish them the best in the final. I hope they win it. Uh, and then I hope they don't win the league because that potentially could mean two teams in the CHL. Because the winner of the super final will get a CHL spot, assuming the CHL allows them. I guarantee if Belfast win it, they'll be signed off. Sheffield, when they're in the final, will sign off as they get the spot. Nottingham the year before was signed off. Obviously, they won it and got the spot. So to get. For if, if Belfast was to win the Super Final and, and let's say Cardiff, Nottingham or Sheffield to win the league, whichever one, to get two teams in the CHL and another team in the Connick Cup would be great for British hockey. Yeah, it certainly would and, and obviously keeping it going as well as, as we say, obviously um, you had the Panthers do it and get the win obviously to progress onto the CHL the Steelers obviously doing it last year and now the Giants following on as well so getting it, getting it going three years in a row certainly is good for, for British hockey um, Andy, obviously last year the Steelers, you know, they, they finished second in the group. Um, obviously at this stage, obviously they got the they, they got the loss against Minsk. Uh, do you think that put the Steelers back a little bit in terms of how they were going into the final? And do you think that Belfast will have the same thing, having got that loss in the last game? I don't think so. Um, I think Minsk are a great team. They the pulled some. Great results off in the CHL in in their first year there, um, so I, I think it's more who was the better team on the night really, and uh, Minsk were a fantastic team throughout the whole tournament. Uh, so I don't think it it will pose any um, anything like that. I think it is just the fact that they are a great team. Katowice, uh, obviously, are a great team as well, and I think Belfast will want. Revenge for that loss, uh, and I think it's literally anyone's game in that in that second round, in that final round. Yeah, certainly, it certainly be interesting to watch. Greth, as we, as I said previously, as I said earlier on in the episode, um, the the Giants have been a bit of a force at home. Um, well, in Venice, a bit of a, a bit of a force in the, in domestic competition over the last couple of weeks. They really have had some quite crushing victories. Uh, and really pulled some good results out of the bag. Obviously, the, the most notable being uh, the absolute barnstormer against uh, against Cardiff. Do you think if they're then progressing onto the final in the Conti Cup, do you think that'll give them a bit of a an uphill battle in terms of the league? Obviously, they've got to fit, fit those extra games in. Obviously, it's the extra games over a short period of time. Do you think that'll make it a bit more difficult in the league, or do you think they'll uh, they'll be okay with that challenge? I think personally they'll be okay with that challenge as long as they don't get any injuries whilst either during the league campaign or whilst in the Conti Cup final or Super Final. 
if they don't get injuries, little like niggles here and there, I still think they're going to do well. They're going to be in the top top two at least this season in our league anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I mean, we've got quite a close league. Um, in fairness, at the top and the bottom, I was having a look earlier on. The Steelers kind of sitting a lot higher up than they were, um, but they have got three or four games in hand to most teams. Um, so, yeah, a case of wait and see how it pans out, really. Um, the BDI'd, or should I say BD-eared ones of you that listened to the last episode will have picked up on my mistake um, in saying that the Kilford Flames had drawn the Sheffield Steelers in the Conti Cup. I, of course, meant the Challenge Cup, but hopefully that gave some people a giggle. Um, it had it pointed out to me um, at the end of the episode and noticed Dave's confused face when uh, when I said it and wondered what I'd done. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that gave you a bit of a laugh. But, yeah, that, I think that, that brings pretty much the, the Conti Cup chat to a bit of a so close. So that game's not been played in Tilburg then. We haven't got to go to Holland to play the, uh, the, the um, Chance Cup. Actually, mate, I am down to go to Holland to watch the... <laughs> I'm really, really not going to complain. Um, Maybe that's what they need to do. Do You know, what they're going to tell do they go away and play again? Maybe we need to go to Holland. Send around the games to Holland. That'd be great. Fairness, though, let's not compare uh, the Elite League and the NHL because we know I'm that's... I'm not comparing the two. I'm just comparing <laughs> the theory of sending a set of games... Um, in a different country. Yes, certainly uh, a social media stir-up caused by somebody comparing uh, the Cardiff <laughs> Devils and the New Jersey Devils, so we'll, uh, we'll leave that one well alone. Um, moving on kind of back to domestic again, there's been a few signings recently, and in fairness, we might as well stick with the Cardiff Devils on that one at first. Greff, uh, do, do you know anything about the guy that, that Cardiff have signed? Yeah, the guy that signed Drew Schiestel. Yep. Second one draft pick for Buffalo. So his career went downhill straight away then. <laughs> I mean, didn't really play for us. He played for our AHL team at the time, which was Portland Pirates. And then when we went back to Rochester, he played for them. And then soon, soon as he left Rochester, because we didn't give him a contract, he went to... He, he dabbled in the ECHL with Greenwell Road Warriors and Wheeling Nealers. Having some Bulldogs as well. I mean, he, he's now been in Europe since 2014-15. He's been in the BEL, the Denmark League, EBEL, and now he's found his way to Cardiff. From what I remember seeing him as a, as a prospect, he was a steady D-man. Not the one that's going to get you so many points every game as you'd expect of him, like, for example, Ben O'Connor, for you guys. But he will get... He'll be the, the defensive defenseman. Hopefully it'll stop them from getting a, another 8-1 loss against them. Some would say hopefully others that are kind of bidding against the three-peat may, may be hoping the opposite, <laughs> but we'll, let, we'll certainly see. Andy, what, what do you think to this signing? I think it's a good sign. Um, he's he's a, he's a very good. Uh, he might have got some some good experience in the uh, in the American leagues in Europe. Uh, I mean, uh, he even played for Rungstead uh, in 2015. Uh, put some good points there. Put up uh, 18 and 40. Um, and obviously last season split between Medford Shark, uh, Zagreb, and Lawrence Scog. 
again, uh, not bad. Not bad, probably Southport as well. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to be a good Dima. Uh, I think he's, he's going to put some more points on the board as well. Uh, and just study that shipping card, if like, like um, Greff has said. Um, yeah, a good signing for Cardiff. Dave, do you agree? Do you think it's a, a strong signing for Cardiff or do you think they could have signed better out there? Well, if you're going to get a guy who's appeared in the AHL All-Stars, um, you, you know, you grab that type of player. He's, he's going to give them what they've been missing um, if, in terms of, as, as you can see, you know, Cardiff missing someone. But yeah, they were missing someone just someone steady. Just someone just to keep the ship, you know, floating just steady. Just let the, the flyer players do their thing. They didn't have that. They now have that. Um, great resume, some good leagues he's played in. He, in his time in Europe, he, you know, regularly, you know, near the zero mark in terms of plus minus. And um, so, you know, he's just, as daft as sounds, his defensive responsibilities is always there, not going too forward. So I think this is a type of guy that will make Cardiff a, a stronger unit, getting over there, the four losses on the bounce. Um, and he, he makes his debut tomorrow night, as we're recording this Tuesday, they play. Uh, the five flyers who makes his debut tomorrow night. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, it, it may be a case of another Benny Blood in respect of some big teams see him and go, you know, we'll have him, we'll offer him a, a good contract. So who knows? Um, but overall, I do agree with the others. It's a good signing for the Devils. See, I think it's I think it's a bit of a 50-50 signing. I think it's a bit of a wait and see. Because for me, some of the things that stand out, I mean, obviously his last time in the AHL, was uh, was back in the 13-14 season. So obviously he's had four years out of the AHL. Not necessarily too or too un, you know too rare for people coming over to the EIHL. The thing that stands out to me is um, a couple of you know a few seasons on the bounce playing for a couple of teams. He's obviously started the season. You know we're getting towards the latter end of November now, and he's only just signing for a team. But uh, I mean, uh, and, and also the, the other thing that stands out for me is other than in his 31 games for Lawrence Gogg he's either got a zero in terms of plus minus or he's looking at a minus for the last few seasons I mean DEL he got a minus nine over 48 games you know not nothing particularly too big to pick up on but I always find defenseman's stats quite difficult to read um, particularly as Andy says defenseman that oh, sorry as, as Greff says um, defenseman that you don't expect to go out and get the goals every game so certainly a wait and see signing but I, I'm kind of 50-50 on it at the moment I'm a bit on the fence um, the thing that makes me laugh is the PR leap that you take when you sign a guy like him uh, and the devil's post all over the social media pictures highlighted you know um, sorry headlines and all this you know the news the news articles uh, and and you see the picture of him wearing the Buffalo Sabres jersey and every time you see that you think my god this guy you know they've picked up a good one and then you find out he's never played a game for the Sabres. You you just think, come on, like you know, I know, I know that it's a good thing to have been drafted, but I, I don't know. It just makes me laugh. Look at look at this guy wearing a, a Buffalo Sabres jersey from when he was drafted nine years ago and never played a game, but he was drafted, so he's he's clearly got something about him. Um, moving on from that, Dave, I'm going to bring this to you. Um, it's a Manchester headline, um, so strange that I'm not taking it to Gref, but I understand one of your uh, beloved players has departed the storm. He has, sadly. Um, Packle has um, taken up a 
job opportunity back home um, in the Czech Republic to mentor and coach junior goalies. Um, obviously, that's where he sees his career after retiring. Um, however, they've announced the storm that uh, he's still on the books. So should um, injury happen to their goalies, he can jump on a plane and be back over and be part of the team. So they, they've kind of got the, the backup plan should uh, the worst happen and obviously we don't hope we hope it doesn't happen um, but so he's, he's gone back home and um, uh, uh, in, in the era of where you have an import and a brick goalie unless your brick goalie is Ben Bounds or Jackson Whistle you, you, your brick goalie ain't getting much game time so you, your one goal is going to get it all so to have two is I, I, I do think it's risky I know the Panthers have done it for a few years but I just think unless you, your brick goalie is, you know, of that level where he can have 20, 30 games, the, the idea to have another netminder either import, but is to give the other guy a rest. But then you've also got to have the thought of, you know, balancing the number of imports. So I, it was, it's always a risky strategy for me. Um, and, you know, the Finity's obviously gone with the route that Packer's not going to be the number one import netminder. So... You know, I mean, he's, he's had a couple of years in, in the UK, um, wishing well on his endeavours back home and uh, mentoring um, the young goalies from the Czech Republic. Yeah, absolutely. For those of you who don't understand um, why I say it's one of Dave's beloved players, <laughs> um, one of Parshall's first games, or the first, one of the first games that we saw him play was in Sheffield, and, and David had been watching him like a hawk in... I can't remember whether it was in warm-ups or right at the start of the game... Um, Joe, we was warm ups don't happen. As in, we uh, watch warm ups. That's kind of why I, I said warm ups, and then I thought, no, we're never there for warm ups. No. So. But but Dave, so, Dave, David had a bit of a watch and and kind of came out with the comment to all of us saying, oh yeah, um, you know this guy looks good. And then I have to say, he came out with one of the worst performances I think we saw from a goalie <laughs> um, in that probably that season. Applied, yeah. <laughs> so he, he then became Dave's bay, as as was tagged. Was it, was, it eight, was it eight goals he conceded that night? It was something like that. I mean, in fairness, the like, next few times we saw him, he did pick up his game. So we'll give you that one. But it just it, it just kind of stuck after that, as you can imagine. We didn't really let him lift that one down. Um, Gref, obviously, Packles been with you um, for this season. What what did you think when you saw the headline? Were you impressed from what you've seen of him? Are you disappointed to see him go? Or is he one of the ones that you could, you know, take or leave? I'm kind of got that he's leaving. I mean, it does mean that Jin's going to be the number one and he's going to start every single game. I mean, not to put anything against Jin. I mean, he's saved our backside so many times this season. But you need to like have your your like your number one goal to have a bit of a rest during the season. I mean, no offence to Declan Ryan, he's a good lad, good netminder, but I'm not too sure that he's going to get the games, or he's going to be good enough for it. I mean, he's good, but when are you going to play against the teams of like Cardiff, Sheffield, Nottingham, even Belfast as well, obviously, the main, the main four, you're not really going to put Declan in that. Yeah, certainly a good point, Greth. Um, Andy, um, you know, Packle, obviously, as Dave said, come over here for the last three seasons. 
Uh, had a bit of a break playing for the Ursa Liga for three games, but then he came over and had a stint in Milton Keynes. Not played a huge amount of games, but over his time in the UK, probably averaged about a four goals against average, which would generally be above the kind of average you'd be hoping for a goaler to obtain. If Packle had signed for the Steelers, let's say you woke up in the morning and it was in the news, Packle signs for the Steelers, would you be happy? Would you be thinking, oh, this is a, this is a good signing? Or would you be thinking, okay, it's another body on the bench. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll make do. I'd be quite happy. I mean, he's he's still young. Uh, he's in his early twenties. He's, he's he's got some good experience of the elite, of, of the league, and I think under Barassa, you know, he, he could bring that coaching that he's had with uh, with Slovan and, and really develop his game. So I think as a as a young player, I think he'd be a great signing for Sheffield. Um, but yeah, he's he's been quite quite. Quite moved around a bit through the elite league, uh, but he's certainly a good, a good goalie, uh, and I definitely take him. Fair play, fair play. No, I I completely agree. He's a, yeah, he's always been a good solid goalie to have as that kind of the second starter, if that makes sense. So not necessarily a backup, but not necessarily the caliber of goalie to be a, a full starter. Um, I know he certainly helped out um, in Manchester. Gref, I mean, didn't. Jin get injured at one point and Packle, Packle ended up playing um, a full game. It wasn't it just after you signed him or something along those lines and Jin got injured? It was, yeah, pretty much like the start of the season. He played, I think he played one game. And he actually did well in it. He was, he was pretty decent. I mean, it was, a good, it was good to rely on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from what, as I say, from what I've seen, he's a good, dependable second netminder. Um, and as, as as Dave says, you know it's 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 a risk letting him go. Obviously, I know that you can't always help it. You know if he's got that other opportunity, then fair play to let him go. And obviously, you've kept him signed. But always good to have the extra netminder nowadays. Which you know we've seen the league move more into having the three netminders. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where Manchester go with that. Whether obviously I know they keep him on the books, but whether they'll sign another netty just to kind of have as a third, or whether they'll just keep it with the, the duo that they've got. Um, so yeah, um, there's actually a signing that we almost missed out on, moving on from the Manchester signing for the time being. Um, there is a signing that we nearly missed out on. Um, Nottingham have very recently announced the signing of a new goaltender. Uh, they have signed Patrick Munson. Uh, Gref, you were the one that alerted us to this, so do you want to tell us a little bit more? Yeah, he's pretty much he's 23 years old. He's just come out of the NCAA. I mean, he was playing for Michigan Tech last season. From a, a goalie stats-wise, he was doing pretty well. I mean, I think there was only one season where he didn't get a safe percentage of above nine, above, above nine, 900. Last season, well, 2016-17 season, he was at University of Denver, but didn't play a single game. Not too sure why. Could have been an injury, or they just had that many good goalers. Who, as obviously we don't really follow the NCAA as much over here. We tend to watch a little bit of it when we see obviously the NHL draft. That's pretty much all we can see, and obviously when Belfast holds the Fantastic Fours, the Friendship Four, sorry. <laughs> 
See, it's not just me that's stumbling between tournaments. Gref slipping in here. The ball hockey, fantastic fours there. Um, Andy, a goalie coming in from the NCAA. Interesting signing. He's very interesting, uh, especially for a for young goalie who's, who's, who's been in the, in the, in the NCAA. Uh, usually you see them go, go in, into the East Coast League or something like that, but it is strange to see him come to the Elite League. Um, but as, as stats go, he's, he's got some decent stats on him. Uh, still young, uh, and I think with some development, with some... Uh, with some league time, it'll progress. We'll get better, and, and maybe he'll return to return to the American leagues and and, and have uh, that goal of, of being in, in inside the, the American Hockey League. Uh, if, if he puts some some good stats in in this league. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, apologies if anybody heard that crash. I think Gress just opened his mouth and his teeth have fell out. Um, Dave. Um, Obviously, you're the goalie amongst us, and uh, you know, as, as Andy says, uh, you know, a bit of a strange signing, a guy coming straight out of the NCAA. I mean, in fairness, as I say, I didn't know about this until Greff said it early, so I haven't had a chance to read any any press releases about it or anything. So we can only really speculate. But do you think this is kind of one to kind of give Garnet a bit of a rest? Do you think it's a case that they might have got a knock, or do you just think it's that they're they're trying to move towards the three goalies like a, a number of teams in the league? It's, it's clear that they're going down the route of um, three goalies, um, but if I'm honest with you, it's it's a strange signing from going from NCAA to the Elite League, um, you know, and he's a highly rated prospect. So we're still talking as a prospect uh, now. For, for it to be, you know, go to the to the to the Elite League, um, it's it's very strange. Um, if I'm honest with you, um, it's also a bit of a slap in the, in the face to uh, Gospel. Um, you know, there's not much signing another import. It seems to be there's not much faith in him. Which we all, oh sorry, maybe not Gref, but uh, me, Joe, and Andy have seen how good actually he is um, <clears throat> when he played that one game for the Steelers and, and stood on his head. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not sure why. Um, you know, I mean, they're saying the Palestinians could have got a load of games coming up, so they want to try and keep the goals as fresh as possible. Well, you've got a guy there already, um, and the guy was a high prospect. And speaking to a number of the Nottingham coaches who I know through playing rec hockey, who've coached Sam before, you know, rated him as one of the best that has come through the Nottingham system. So for me, it, as I, I'm not. The guy looks a good goal, and when we get to see him play, he'll, we'll go, he'll be good, and you know he'll show us how good and, and why the rate is a high prospect. But when you've got a homegrown prospect already on your books, use him. He's there, you know. You know, it, it's not like the kids not played senior before in gospel. So I'm I'm not sure with this signing. Um, you know, it'll, it'll do well, um, Munson, but it's I, I I do feel sorry for gospel in this respect. You, you know, you've got. Um, a good net miner there. So not like he's not like he's just you know a no respect to other back net man. He's not there just to open the door. He can win games for you. He can win games for the Panthers. He is that good enough. He's that good. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I've really seen a British back. I mean, I know that Murdy's kind of you know he's, he he pulled a few games out his backside um, a couple of seasons ago. You know, he's a, he's a good goalie. 
I don't think I've seen a backup goalie the same kind of calibre as Gospel since the Steelers had Jeff Woolhouse in, in, as a backup. I mean, he was a guy that you saw come in and you knew that you weren't going to be at a deficit as to what you would have been if your starter was playing. You were very much still confident you could get the win. Obviously, Gospel proving when he played the game for Sheffield that he could come in and, uh, and obviously get the result, even with that high pressure. Um, so yeah it seems a bit of a strange one and it also seems like a bit of a slap in the face to me for Patrick Munson I mean you see players generally come out of the NCAA and go into you know the AHL the top teams of the ECHL as top like premium players or even like feeding straight into the NHL but a lot of them also end up obviously getting drafted it just seems a little bit odd to go straight from the NCAA straight into the Elite League I mean I'm pretty sure that wasn't where he thought he was going to end up when he started in the NCAA three years ago, four years ago. But no, just sorry. No, I just just say, but it's certainly <laughs> no, going to be interesting. One of the points you raised in terms of the backup rates and level of, and you're right in terms of Murdy being probably one of the the better end that we've had since you know him and Gospel. Um, Headley, who who shared time between commentary Milton Keynes, was was there thereabouts. There was a guy in Brayhead, Gus. Um, mm. so that was his uh, his name. So Murdy was has been the third goalie for GB. So you know it's, it's kind of that's your level what we've got. So when you've got someone who can compete with Murdy, in my opinion, use him. And it, it, it looks like in reading between the lines of, of the short press release, the pounces of of release, it's it's to give him depth. So who knows. It'll also be interesting to see how they play him. I mean, I said this with um, with the Steelers, obviously, when they brought in Climey. Um, I mean, in fairness, it looks like Brad Day played a game in, I think, the NIHL the other day. Um, so I don't know whether we put him on a two-way deal, but it'll be interesting to see how they play it. Whether they, you know, if Munson gets regular time, whether they do it as like a, you know, one plays one game. The other plays the other in irrespective of Garnet plays one game, Munson plays the other, and then they keep Gospel as the backup for both, or whether they play as Munson's on the bench, Garnet's in net, or Garnet's in net and Munson's no. Or Garnet's on the bench and Munson's in net. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um certainly gives them a lot more to play with than and in fairness the flip side I guess is it still gives them that, that assurance. You know, as we say, bit of a bit of a risk for Manchester letting Pack will go. Obviously, may may have not been able to do anything to stop him because they're they're potentially opening themselves up if they end up with a goalie injury um, to potentially not having the calibre of goalie that they'd want. You know, Nottingham have certainly assured that if Garnet gets injured, they've still got two top quality netminders. So it, it'll just be interesting to see how they use him in comparison to Gospel, really. Um, but moving on from the changes, I believe that's the last one that we've got this week. Um, moving back to Manchester um, and Gref, I'm going to throw this over to you because I know that you actually were wanting to say this is your highlight for the week. So why don't you go ahead and tell us um, what was particularly stand out in the um, in the Storm game on Saturday? I think that, like as most people have already seen this on social media, but I would say the standout was Mike Hammond getting the game-winning goal on the day that a few hours beforehand he found out his dad passed away. I mean, that's some commitment there and top professionalism there straight away for Mike Hammond. I know his mum posted on the, the Storm fan forum on Facebook saying his dad would have wanted him to play no matter what. 
I was walking, because I was there, I saw the emotion in his face. I could see that he was trying to fight back the tears, as everyone else would do, when a, someone that you loved, a family member, passed away a few hours before you played the game. It was just, it was, it was a very emotional day. It was great we won. Even better, it was Mike Hammond that got the game winning goal. Yeah, certainly, um, certainly an emotional ending, and I, I think, in fairness, certainly the picture that spoke a thousand words was the uh, the picture of of the emotion in his face after that goal. I know that, as you say, that did the rounds on Facebook and social media. Um, Dave, I mean, what, you know, have you got anything else to add? What, what's your take on it? Obviously, a, a certainly an emotional night for Hammond and, and an absolutely stellar performance by him, given these circumstances. Uh, very much so. Um, it, it, it's bad enough the first game you play when when you lose someone in that in of your father, your mother, um, because you, you're thinking you, you're going you're in overdrive. You're thinking so much and. and whatever level you play so for him to do this hours after final news which will have hit him bad um, obviously his, his father's on the other side of the Atlantic um, so we can't just you know finish the game go up the road or wherever to be with family um, it, it says so much about him um, it's it's, a dif- it's difficult to do um, it, it's not as easy just putting the gear on and, and going out um, so I, I that's it, my captain. Um, even if it had not got the goal, just to play that game, um, I would just tip the captain and, and fair play to get to him to get that goal. It's a nice story in a horrible situation. Um, so, and I, and I think I speak for everybody in our, our thoughts and prayers with him and the rest of the Hammond family uh, on that news. So, you know, fair play to the kid. He, he's, he's done his family and his dad proud. Yeah, absolutely. Andy, I mean, it's not something that we see a lot of in the league. Obviously, I know that a lot of the time when, when at times at times like that, obviously players go back home for personal reasons. Obviously, they, they, they may not play the game for personal reasons. What does it say about Mike Hammond, obviously? But obviously, not only playing the game, but putting in the performance to get that goal and, and obviously to, to drive his team to be something better, given the fact that he's got that going on in the background. He says that he's a very strong individual and uh, I can't imagine how hard it must be uh, to hear news like that. Uh, when you're so far away from that person, it must be absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but he, he says a lot about his character. He's a very strong individual uh, and as as you've as said, um, his father would have wanted him to play. And uh, it'd be very, very proud of him, especially for scoring the game in goal. It must have meant so much to him. Uh, and I, I know that it, it would have meant a lot to his father as well. Uh, but I, I can guarantee you now he, he'd be looking down and be really, really proud of his son. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing else that I can add that, that hasn't already been said. I mean, it, it really does show the character and the strength of Hammond to be able to do that. Um, absolutely no doubt that his dad would have been proud of proud of him not only for you know for being able to play in that game let alone being able to score that goal but I, I, all, I, all I can really say is I echo what Dave said you know, every, you know the thoughts of everybody in the podcast in fairness everybody in the league um, you know at the moment the thoughts and prayers as Dave already says with, with, with Mike Hammond and his family um, obviously a very hard time um, absolutely 
But um, yeah, mo- moving on from that, obviously um, a few more items to cover. The next thing, and I'll, I'll bring this round to you, Dave, because we get to hear your international pronunciations at this point. <laughs> it is um, the next round of the CHL, I believe. It is. Well, tonight um, we've had the second leg of the the round of 16, the second round, basically, um, with um, a couple of shock results, um, very close games, apart, close ties even, apart from one. Um, so we'll go through the results. Um, Munich um, turned around a one-goal deficit and qualified um, beating, we had seven scores, these are the overall scores, um, 4-3 against Zug. Uh, Malmo uh, beat uh, SC Bern 5-1 across the two legs. Um, looks the scoreline wise a great game between Karapat and, and Zurich uh, Karapat can go going through 7-6 on aggregate uh, Salzburg um, after a very tough game in Rouen uh, the previous week beat them 8-4 um, Bruno and Tapra really just didn't care about defence across this tie with uh, Bruno going through 10-6 on aggregate uh, Frelunda uh, scoring the game winner in the last minute of tonight's tie beating Lejano 6-5 uh, Skeleftia um, was taken to the very end by Stonehammer, but they went through 7-6 on aggregate. The only blowout was Pilsen um, beating Balzano uh, 12-3 on aggregate um, across both games, uh, winning 6-2 and 6-1 um, in both legs. So the, the quarterfinal ties are Munich uh, against Malmo, uh, Karabat uh, against Salzburg, uh, Brunel will face Frelunda, and Skeleftia against Pilsen. And just one off throw thing in terms of the, the makeup of the quarterfinals, where we've had it for years, dominated by the Swedes and the Finns. You've got three Swedish teams, two Czechs, a Finn, a German and an Austrian team in the quarterfinals. And for the first time, we've got a German and an Austrian team. So, I mean, them four ties going to be great. And I think also, it's another marker that you're now moving away from the dominance of the Scandinavian teams to the other leagues in Europe. Yes, you always saw for London get the um, obviously run away with it. They were always the you know, when the Steelers played them, they were they were the benchmark. I mean, they weren't only the benchmark; they were they were the team that you know you couldn't you didn't even aspire to be because they were just that much better. Um, so to see them narrowly winning to go through, um, and obviously last year obviously didn't make it through to the final. I can't remember at what stage they got knocked out last year. Actually, was it? I think it was at this stage. Not yeah, this stage or, yeah, at this stage. I thought so. Um, obviously, last year we saw the first Finnish team of in, in fairness, first Finnish team and the first non-Swedish team um, to get the win in the CHL. So certainly looking like to, it's set up to have another non-Swedish team to win. But there are obviously still some in the making, still some in the running, as uh, as you say, Dave. Personally, um, I don't know why, but personally, I'd, I'd like to see Munich do it. Um, I've got, I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's the Lederhosen jerseys that we've all got or whether it's just uh, whether it's just it a sponge. Another thing for you. So whoever hosts the final is determined on, on points you get from your group games and your round of 16 um, quarterfinal semifinals. At the moment, it's, it's always been held in, in Scandinavia. At the moment, the team who has the most points is Pilsen. So you could see the final for the first time outside Scandinavia, um, which I think could be very good. I think if one of the Czech teams... If, if one of the Czech teams made it, I think that's going to be a, a fantastic um, atmosphere and exhibition of CHL hockey. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. Always good to keep an eye on the CHL as it goes through, um, even obviously when it gets to a stage where there's no British teams in. So uh, always nice to, to have a look in at that. Um, 
we'll move it on just to uh, the next topic, which is moving back to domestic, moving a little bit closer to home, in fairness, for three of us. Um, it is regarding an incident, or an occurrence, should we say, in the game between the Steelers and the Flyers on Saturday night. Um, there was a long pause in the game while the officials examined the game sheet. Um, and then after the game, there were some rumblings on social media, some people saying we might have had to throw the game 5-0 and get the forfeit. Others obviously saying, oh, it shouldn't do because, um, you know, because the referees noticed it early in the game. Um, Andy, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown as to that? It, it looks like um, the Steelers were playing an ineligible player. Yes, it did. Um, they had a player on, on team sheet, uh, or, or, or rather, missing. I think it was. Yeah, um, I think it was. I think it was a, a, a player omitted from the game sheet. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it was a player that was on the game sheet. It was playing the game. Um, and, and yeah, I was just sat there at home wondering what was going on because it, it, it was a very um, long period of time where we were trying to work out what was happening. Uh, and yeah, the referees noticed it early uh, and they then um, benched the player. Uh, so he, he took no further part in the game uh, as soon as the referees noticed. And uh, according to the rules, that's, that, that's the right thing to do. If referees notice it uh, early and the player then takes no further part in the game, then that's when, you know, they, they can continue with the game then. So I don't understand what the problems are if uh, all the criteria in the rules has, has been adhered to. Yeah, the rules are actually uh, they're quite interesting when you read them. The, uh, the Elite League have actually posted them on, on the website now, just to clarify. Um, essentially... I mean, as Andy says, I think the main thing in this was I think it was Deluca that was omitted from the game sheet, but was kept on the bench for the Steelers. Looks like a clerical error rather than obviously any anything you know any any more seedy goings on. But um, I mean, the the rules that have been clarified by the Elite League of Rule Twenty Three, uh, ineligible player in a game. Um, no goal will be allowed by a team during a game if one of its players on the ice at the time his team scores is ineligible and the referee has been notified of the error prior to the ensuing face-off at centre ice. All previous goals by the ineligible player's team will count. So in fairness, it basically looks like it's a case that any goals scored, unless I'm reading um, you know, from it, any goals scored while DeLuca was on the ice wouldn't have counted if the referee was notified of the error before the puck was dropped. Um, if a player is assessed a penalty and during the penalty is found to be an ineligible player, he'll be removed from the game and a skater designated by the coach will sit it, so kind of sit it almost as a bench minor penalty for the rest. Um, if a player is found to be ineligible during a game, he'll be removed immediately without penalty and all cases regarding an ineligible player will be reported to the proper authorities. So essentially, um, there's been no effect on the actual result of the game. Uh, DeLuca was noticed. Um, Darnell threw him out of the game, obviously, once they realised he wasn't on the game sheet. Uh, and that was the end of that. Gref, does that seem like a little bit of a almost a lenient penalty on a team that's got a player on the bench that's ineligible? No, I think the rules are there. And the Elite League's actually done well with it. They've actually stuck by it. It's like, he's not on the game sheet. He... Technically, you could say he's not insured to be playing that game. So 
imagine if you like got a, a, a really bad injury, they they wouldn't have been insured or anything by the league anyway, because technically he's not in the game sheet, so he technically shouldn't be on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been interesting to see if um, if that would have happened. Um, Dave, what's your, what's your take on it? I mean, I, I, obviously, I, I, my 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 thinking is, you know, the 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 execution of the ruling was absolutely spot on by the elite league. For me, I think the rule itself is a little lenient. I think you'd kind of expect if it was if it was against us. I mean, it's worked for the Steelers and it's worked in our favour in this game. If it was against us, I think you'd be kind of thinking. I don't know. It just seems a bit odd just to say a player's on the bench that's ineligible. We'll take him out of the game and then we carry on. It just seems a bit odd. You'd think there'd be some kind of sanction in there, some penalty. Well, I suspect there will be a sanction or penalty. But I think it's going to be more of a financial penalty to the club. I suspect that where the punishment will be. The ruling's in the double IHF rulebook, so it's black and white from the very top. Um, and if you look at the in the context of has he been registered to play the league? Yes. If he was on the game sheet, would he have took the Steelers' input quota limit over the, the allowed um, level, the 14? No. So he's, he, he was an eligible player. Something's happened. Christ knows what. Um, because it's happened two nights. It happened the night before. Um, so something's happened where our submission of game sheets, we've not put the name on. Um, and it seems to be... It, it's minor in the context of the game of hockey... But in terms of the delivery, like Graf said, in terms of insurance and anything else, it's a major piece. So somewhere, Sheffield has had a massive breakdown. But I'm sure that the powers will be at Sheffield will look into what's happened, make sure it won't happen again. I suspect that, like I said, the league will probably um, find them for it. Um, because it's like, it's like I say, in, in terms of the input quota that Steelers had that night, it weren't like the Steelers were looking for an advantage. It weren't like the Steelers were actually trying to con... Um, the game of hockey, never mind the opposition. Mm. It's just a bit of a, a, a clerical mess up, um, shall we say politely. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, fair play to the um, off ice officials in Fife to spot it and let their free zone. So they followed the um, the games right because again, you know, I mean, he weren't injured the night before. Something may have happened, and then you know, could they have been? involved in it if they've not spotted it and not done their job and I'll, I'll throw that to Griff as I know you're an off-ice official for the Manchester Storm you know if, if something like that happened and you was aware or not aware and you not got the referee's attention say no you, this has this is not right would that have had some form of comeback on your guys? It, well, I, I probably think it would do yeah I mean because the the ruling that we have to do in place is we get the, the game sheet that's already pre-signed by the coach. So that's either your head coach or you, you, you coach yourself, one of the assistant coaches. So that's already pre-signed. We take it away, fill it out on on the live system itself and on the, like a paper system. And then as soon as we've done that, the paper system, the paper trail goes back to your, your, your assistant coach or your head coach. And they check it man player for player and then that gets signed as well so there's like two checks in place there but then obviously you see a player on the ice and you go one minute he's not on this list especially if there's a penalty card or the goal okay um so yeah i mean and, and thanks for information in terms of 
the actual little checks that go into it. Um, uh, so, like I say, something's happened. It's clerical. The, the Steelers will look into it. Fair play to the, the Flyers, um, or Flyers team. Um, but you move on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree and absolutely. And move on, we uh, we shall. Well, well, while we're talking on sanctions, um, something that we actually almost forgot to add to the agenda, um, Dops had a bit of uh, a, a bit of a handful um, recently. Obviously, last episode we spoke about the Milton Keynes Glasgow game. Um, few players thrown out. Bit of a um, Bit of a spectacle, maybe not the best showing for the sport on free sports, but then at the same time, same time, maybe a good showing for the sport on free sports because you certainly look back at the kind of old school hockey. Um, however, Dops have got involved and obviously some suspensions have been dished out. Uh, I think the best way to do this, guys, what I'll do is I'll run through the suspensions one by one. After each suspension, I'll throw it out to you guys. I'll not throw it specifically to each of you. I'll just throw it out as a bit of an open forum. Let us know, you know, kind of run through what you think, and then we'll move on to the next one. I think that's probably the best way to go about it. The first suspension was for Zach Fitzgerald. Um, in the game, he was given a minor penalty for kneeing, minor penalty for roughing, and then a major and game misconduct for fighting. Uh, that has resulted in a three-match ban. Um, he was suspended one game for kneeing and two games for a one... Well, it's phrased on the, on the, on the website as a one-punch, and then later on they phrase it as a one-man fight. So Essentially, he's been given too much ban for a sucker punch. What What do you guys think to that? I don't like the, the term sucker punch because, to me, sucker punch suggests that the kid didn't know it was going to happen, and the Milton Keynes player did know it was going to happen. Um, he changed his direction. He went towards Fitzgerald. He won't punch him. Simple as that. Um, so, but the level of, of suspension, I think, is probably about right. Um, it, you know, no one likes to see a player near another player, and I don't think Fitzgerald did it purposely. But, you know, it, he, and he said before himself, he's listened to interviews with Steelers and, and with Glasgow, that, you know, sometimes you'll do something in the heat at the moment and you go, ah, that was a bit dumb. So, uh, I think Doc's got it right on that one. Yeah, what, what do they... What do they... Graf and Andy, what do you guys think? I I agree with what Grant just said there. It was, yeah, he at the moment, a silly move, but it's happened. You move on. I mean, what do you, like Grant mentioned last week, what did he really expect? Well, he mentioned it for Connolly in, in this case, but for this case, it's what do you really expect? You're coming right out of Fitzer. Fitzer is known for fighting in this league. You're not really gonna expect him to go. You know what? Come here, we'll have a cuddle. You know he's gonna throw a punch straight away. Yeah. What do you think, Andy? Um. Yeah. It's it's a fair suspension. Uh, I'd probably say two games is about right. Two or three. Um. But yeah, I've 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 not seen much of much of that one in particular. Um. But yeah, it's just one of those things you've got to hold hands up and say, ah, fair enough, and then and you just go again, don't you? Yeah, I, uh, for me, I'm, I'm sceptical about the knee. I've watched it a couple of times. I think the, I think the, um, the MK player puts himself in a very, very vulnerable position 
in terms of the hit. He changes his body positioning, leaves his legs out after he sees Fitzy coming for him. I mean, Fitzy's a big guy. You know, We know the role that he's played in the past, at least. Maybe the role's changed slightly with him having the captaincy. But you know, Fitzy's not the kind of guy who's going to pull out of a hit. He was obviously going to come in for the hit. And, and he's left his knee out there. I mean, I don't think there was intent for the knee, but the knee was essentially probably... I mean, looking back to the way they've described the Manchester bands from a couple of weeks previously, the, the roughing penalty on Jin was, was kind of assessed to be the initial penalty starting off the altercation. I guess you could probably say the same about the knee in this aspect. Um, the two games for punch, I'm a bit sceptical with as well. I think... The guy came in to Fitzy. It wasn't like Fitzy went up to him looking for it. But flip side is Fitzy should have probably let him drop the gloves as normal. Didn't really give him the chance. Um, I likened it to the incident with Danny Bois uh, in the last episode. But in fairness, Danny Bois and Fitzy were squaring up and, and, and starting to square off for a fight. <sighs> probably a few seconds before that this time round because the guy was still skating him when he dropped him. But... Um, Either way, I think Fitzy's going to look at it, take his dues and just say, right, OK, maybe a few stupid things there. But, um, yeah, I could see a three-game ban. I'd have probably said one or two for me, but it is what it is. Um, the second suspension was Brendan Connolly, um, the second Glasgow player, getting a ban from that. He was given a minor and misconduct from sportsman-like conduct. Um, he's now been given a two-match ban uh, for skating from the area of his player's bench with the purpose of provoking, inciting and physically contributing to the incident. Um, same question, guys. What do we think to that? No, I'll add to that. Everything's bottom. Next. <laughs> I totally agree. He couldn't have really been there. He still that. <laughs> he was really stupid, yeah. And uh, I don't understand the reason behind it. Um, but, yeah. That's a fair suspension. Yeah, certainly. I think that out, out of all the band, out of all the bands, probably the one where he's going to sit there the most and think, "Yeah, that was stupid." I'll sit down, I'll take it, and come back. And I, I think he certainly probably, um, probably had a few words from the coach about that. But you know, he takes it on the chin and uh, comes back hard. The only way he can do now. Um, the third suspension, probably the suspension that was least likely to see, or should I say was least expected by most people, was Patrick Killeen, uh, the Milton Keynes Lightning netminder. He received a one-match ban for leaving his crease during an altercation, retrieving a loose puck and shooting the puck at a stoppage and verbally inciting a situation with the opposition. Very wordy, um, very wordy ban. For a for a one match ban, but what what do we think? I like the other two yeah. before I jump on this one. Well, I thought it was quite like, the funny part of it all. Of everything in that was that when he fired the puck, it went to the one guy that just got one punch by Fitzer. <laughs> it's like if you're gonna do anything, you don't shoot the puck down at your own player that's on the the ice already hurt. Yeah, it goes more to beg the question, why did Connolly get involved? You know, if it hit his teammate, then fair enough. But I just, yeah, I, you pointed that out in fairness, Griff. I'd not really, I'd not really clocked that, but um, just completely random. Andy, what what do we think before Dave comes in? Um, 
It's a bit of a strange one. I mean, maybe he hit the puck in frustration. You know, I just got a bit, a bit frustrated and uh, obviously took it out of the puck as some of us do. Uh, but he, he did fight it down the ice. So it, it's a strange one for me. Yeah. Dave? Let me hand in the goal union card straight in and I think it's a rubbish suspension and I'll explain why. You look at... I mean, we saw the video... There was a video of him actually delivering the puck because in fact, I don't think he's fired it. You know, I goalies fire the puck a lot harder than what he's actually done. He's got it to an area. He's gone to move the puck to an area after having the puck shot at him. Not a hard shot, but the puck was shot at him. So he's got rid of it. And like Graf said, he's actually hit his own player. So in the grand scheme of things, he's gone to move the puck to an area. Is that really going to leave an increase to get to fire a puck in there? Looking at the, the footage that we've now seen, I, I just don't think it is. Connolly's got involved because I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what he was hoping for. Um, but for but for, for for me, Dot saying that Connolly got involved was because of the fire the firing of the puck. For me, is rubbish. I, I don't agree with it. I don't. I have seen goalies do it more forceful, and if that would have been the case, yeah, that'd have been fine. Because you know that would have enticed, incited it a bit more. But you incited someone that weren't even involved in the initial contact. He just got involved. The kid just got involved for whatever reason. Only Connolly will know. Because you know it's not hit a Brit, sorry, a Glasgow player. My apologies. Is it Norton Kings player? So, so no. I don't think the the, the suspension is a good one in my honest opinion. The only thing I can think about it is that the only thing I can think with Connolly is that Connolly felt that it was shot at him. Um, I mean, there's no real angles. I, obviously, there's the one from behind the net that kind of shows you skate out and get it, but there's no real angles to kind of show what he was kind of... I, I, it sounds silly to say, but what he was kind of aiming at. Um, personally, I, I can see where the games come from. I think had the whole altercation not kicked off, I don't think he'd have got the ban, but realistically... I think from his own perspective, from, from, for him, I think it was a stupid thing to do. I mean, that, that everything was kicking off. At that point, he should have just stayed in his crease. Just, you know, there was no need for him to go and skate and get the puck. And yeah, probably not necessarily fire it down the rink, but it was just needless at that point. He's, he's, it's not like he's just gone next to his crease and then he's gone, yeah, okay, I have it down there. He's physically skated out towards the court, towards the boards. He's gone all the way to the boards, a bit further in front, you know, a fair few strides out to get it and then giving it a flick. I don't, I, I agree, I don't think it, I don't think he fired it down the rink. He obviously didn't put, it wasn't like he sniped it and was aiming for the top corner or looking to take someone's head off, but I just think it was pointless. That that's for me. I mean, I, t I can see the game ban. I probably wouldn't have given it a ban if I if it was me making the decision. But I just think from his perspective, it was just stupid. He should have just stayed there. But and it, it was all within the MK defensive zone. So in terms of the the definition of leaving the crease, in terms of if the goal was getting to an altercation, has he left his crease? He's left the physical crease, but that definition changes for the involvement in altercations, where it's just, it's the blue line. So. I mean, it's happened. He's, he's, he's served it this weekend, so, you know, fair enough. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, the final ban from that game was uh, Cole Shudra. Uh, he was given a double minor in game misconduct for leaving the bench uh, and a major for fighting. 
He's now been given, and this is the heftiest, he, I can't speak, the heftiest of the suspensions given uh, with five matches. Uh, he was given three games for leaving the bench, um, probably suspected after Declan Balmer got the same for Manchester. Um, so yeah, three games for leaving the bench for the purpose of a fight, two games for the one-man fight with a direct blow to the head of the opposing player's head. They've used the head twice there. But a direct blow to the head, um, causing an apparent injury. Um, so essentially, a soccer punch again is what they're arguing there. What do we think against that one, guys? Consistent. Um, and he was always going to get a hefty one. He's a repeat offender in respect of he's already been in front of the dots. He's already on, on their radar. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't fault him for protecting his goalie in respect of you know, you've got Connolly trying to engage something. Um, again, sucker punch, I'm not comfortable with because you could see that was on the TV replay on the night. He's He shook the gloves. He's, he's telling him what's going to happen. He's, he's physically telling him. So to me, he knew it was going to happen. So it can't be a sucker punch. If he's tried turtling to make it one man fight, a bit different. But to then say, for me, I just don't like this sucker punch because, it's, you know, sucker punch is the guy who doesn't even know what's going to happen. Next yeah. thing, he's on, he's on the ice. That's well, a sucker punch. Well, as, as I say, I mean, in fairness, the, the, the Elite League have been careful in a sense to not use the phrase sucker punch. I mean, in the description of Fitzy's band, they've used it in brackets when they've said for the one punch and then in brackets sucker punch. But for Shudras, they've definitely been very careful and very specific to say two games for a one-man fight. Which I, I can see the argument for. I, I guess, as, as I say, my argument for it at the time was: I mean, Connolly, if he's engaging with the goalie, fine. You want to engage with the goalie, not a problem to an to, to a certain extent. But you know, you got to answer the bell. And and Shudra gave him plenty of time. Dropped his gloves, came up to him, gave him enough time to engage. And when he didn't, he thought, you know what? You've messed around with my goalie. You're having it, whether you whether or not you like it. Which and, and if I, you also did, sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, I completely agree with you. You can't fault him for it. If, if Connor didn't have any intentions of engaging into a fight, he had the time to have gone, you know what, I'm just going to turtle right here, right now. I'll look stupid, but I'll turtle. And then, you know what, Cole just gets a penalty for dropping the gloves. Yeah. Then they're leaving the bench. But that's what he gets. So he's left it at the very last minute to then go, ah, you know what, no. And give, I agree what you're saying. You know, if you engage in that aspect of the game, you know what's going to happen. It's... It's not a rule book. It's just a, it's a. People don't like using the term, but it's a common code of the game. Like if you do that, you're going to get this attention. So for me, I think you know, he had the opportunity. Paul did, if, if we're going to be honest, to not do it. But then so did Conley had the chance to go. Do you know what? I'm just going to turtle. I'm just going to say no, no, I'm not having any of this. Fine. So I think I just, this, this, this a bit of I don't like, but. In terms of the, the actual length, it's probably Dobbs have probably got it spot on. Yeah, I, I agree. What what do we think, guys? I I totally agree. I mean, the consistency, that's brilliant. Especially going up previous years for Dops, where the consistency wasn't there, but the, the the consistency in regards to the three game ban for leaving the bench, as we saw it with Declan Barmer getting it for leaving the bench at Guild when he played Guildford. It, we expected, okay, yeah, three games. That should, we got the three games for that. Surely he should get the three games. He's left it as well. The punch, the the one, the two game ban for the punch. 
Um, as you you've already mentioned, he had to, he came. He, I think he got to like the blue line or something before he'd even dropped the gloves. Mm. That's a good distance to skate before he'd actually gone to throw the punch. I mean, he has broke Connolly's nose in the in the punch itself. But as you have mentioned, what did Connolly really expect? <laughs> No, I completely agree. Um, Andy, have you got anything else to add, or do you, do you agree with what's, with what's been said? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, you you got to stick, for, stick up for your goalie, and I think everyone else was fixated with uh, with incidents that were going on in different areas of the, of, of the ice. That uh, it was like Colat noticed what Conley was doing with uh, with Colleen, so fair play to him to to get involved with that because no one messes with. No one messes with the goalie, and uh, it, it, it did the right thing to, to try and put a stop to it, because uh, obviously no one else was going to to do that. So fair play to him for that. Uh, in terms of the sucker punch on, on Connolly, Connolly knew what was going on, um, so he definitely had, had the time to sort of react and and, and to visualise what was going to happen. So. Uh, in terms of that, that's an unfair one because Colin knew knew what was going to happen. He, he knew he knew everything from from the glove shape from from Cole. That's the sort of you know as, as they said the code of hockey and and yeah just some strange calls I think and some strange reasons for the bands. But yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, no fair, no fair play. Are you? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens the next time. MK and and Glasgow, um, you know, face each other. Um, Dave, I believe moving on from that, I believe we've got a few questions from the social media peoples. We do indeed, and thank you for the for the two people who've contributed today. Um, do keep sending them through. We we do ask them as long as we haven't covered them in the main uh, body of the podcast. We'll we'll do that. So we'll start with Joe from from the Belfast area. Thank you very much. She asks, what is your favourite arena stroke rink and why? I thought you were talking to me then when you said we'll start with Joe. I was like, you've not asked the question yet. <laughs> um, I think this is quite a hard one um, for me because there's a number of them. Um, and, and also I, I split them between which are my favourite ones to watch and which are my favourite ones to play on. Because certainly some of the ones that you'd expect to be the best ones to play on aren't always the best ones to play on. Um, Nottingham, as an example, great arena. What probably one of my favourite arenas. Certainly, I think the best venue that the playoffs could be at. I'm not one of the people that kind of screams and says, "Oh, it should be changed." I think, in fairness, spot on place um, in terms of accommodation for everybody, the bars around it, the restaurants, everything. I mean, the whole surrounding is just per absolutely perfect the size of the arena is completely perfect for what it needs to be um the ice when i've played on it pretty terrible um waterlogged the benches are a lot higher than the benches at normal arenas which is strange um but at the ice it'd certainly be in my top two or three rinks to watch but certainly wouldn't be there for my favourite ones to play in. I've got to say my favourite one to watch probably, as, as stereotypical as it may be, because it's a good weekend altogether, but Belfast, the SSE Arena, I think is just a fantastic arena. Um, obviously, um, you can use your phone to order drinks and food and things like that. So in terms of um, 
you know, the ability to go and get drinks and food without, you know, interfering with too much of watching the game. That's a, that's a good side of things. You know, the blocks are in nice and close. You don't have the big concourse in the middle or anything like that. Um, so I, I have to say Belfast is, is probably my favourite. Um, to add to that, one of my favourites that I actually play on, as strange as I, strange I feel for saying it, is uh, is the Hull Ice Arena. I, I think the ice in Hull is actually surprisingly very, very nice. Um, the benches are a bit weird because they're not flat. On the back side, there's like a big slide down the back. But in terms of the ice, very nice arena. Um, one more that I'll add before I pass it on because I realise I'm talking a lot. Um, the worst, or one of the worst arenas, in my opinion, particularly now that Edinburgh aren't in the league anymore, one of the worst arenas, in my honest opinion, is Ice Arena Wales or whatever it's called now, the Cardiff Devils Arena. I just think they had a chance to build a purpose-built arena. They had a chance to build a good arena for their team. You know, Particularly at the point they were in, um, and they built a 3,000-seater arena with a, a decent, probably eight, ten-foot gap between the front row and the ice. So all the front row have very limited view. Um, it, I just don't think it's a great arena. In terms of visually... And, and you know like the, the the presentation of it all is great but the ice is terrible or was terrible when we played on it and I just don't think the layout's up to scratch I, I it, it brings me back to when somebody asked it to Jerry Anderson and Jerry Anderson said you know nice arena but should have been better and I, I don't think you can sus I don't think you can sum up their arena any better than that okay Jeff Andy yeah I I totally agree with the Nottingham being one of the best rinks to go as a, a spectator, especially for exactly, especially for like the playoff weekend itself. That is a the amount of places nearby is wonderful. I mean, I know you'll you'll probably the same mention as me, but for if it's not in the UK, then the Pat Brazler Arena in Budapest was it was a. That was a great arena for go to. I don't think it was purposely built for ice, an ice tournament, but the layout that they had for it was brilliant. It was just everything you needed was there. Andy? Um, I, I completely agree with Joe. I mean, uh, Nottingham and Belfast are my favourites. Um, Nottingham's great uh, because everything's just central. Uh, you, you, you'd have to walk too far uh, to really go anywhere. Um, Belfast is a fantastic weekend as well. Uh, you've got everything basically in one building. You know, you, you've got um, Rockies, you've got uh, Pizza, uh, you know, and, and, and together, you know, you need those. So, yeah, uh, it, it's a fantastic place, um, especially the hotel being two minutes down the road. You know, it, it's it's it's. Perfect for a weekend of hockey uh, out at Belfast, as is Nottingham as well. That's why it's got the playoff finals weekend, uh, so it's a great weekend there. Um, in terms of playing, um, I agree with Joe. Um, I, I think the ice is, is uh, waterlogged at first, then dries out, and it is quite dry afterwards. Um, the, the, the best drink I've played in um, has to be uh, in. In Bruges, nice, nice asterisk there when I went. Uh, uh, there's also another one in, in, in Belgium as well. Uh, really enjoyed playing there for, for junior. 
the junior hockey, uh, and yeah. No, it's. Um, I mean, I. The ones that were mentioned are, are good, great venues. The NIC, uh, great venues. A spectator. Um, the SSC, or as many people still call it, the Odyssey, great venue. Holds a great weekend, and they've held um, some pretty. You know, as you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, some big weekends and uh, events. Um, and with Gref in terms of a continental choice, um, the the Pat Laszlo, um, superb venue. Um, good layout in terms of structure of, of what you can get in and around the area. Um, another arena that I, I loved going to um, on the concert was uh, Arena Riga. Um, nine and a half thousand um, in Latvia. Superb venue. Um, no bad view whatsoever in and around. So, um, But I must say, I've, I've played in Hull before, um, the most versatile venue, and the ice is really good. Um, you, if you look at the venue and everything, you don't think top ice but it's probably one of the best ice I've skated on um, at all so you know I mean for those listening tell us what you think is the best venues either to watch or to play because we'd have a number of rep players who uh, would play the game so let us know what your thoughts are and we'll give you all the um, the social media links afterwards the second question is from Jay Whitehead thank you very much Jay and I'll just uh, drop in he's another person who's also um, play, rep- raising money for the British Heart Foundation as well as me, Joe, Griff and Andy are next July. Congratulations on completely the half marathon um, last weekend. And his question is, um, as fans of their rivals, uh, what is your assessment of the Blaze this year? It feels like they've not given credit where due for playing well and getting big wins when fully deserved. But then the next night they play terribly and it seems to back up the theory. Now, we've mentioned them a couple of times. Um, I think it's fair to say we've kind of all said on the first look at the, on the team 11th they're not going to go far but they have surprised a few teams they have bloodied a few noses and they have you know on paper punched a fair bit above the weight and then like you know I agree with you so sometimes they'll just have a bad result but I don't, what, what do your guys think are they completely opposite to what we thought would, ha- would happen at the beginning of the season I totally think they've been a lot different I mean some of the key signings that they've brought, they brought in as well, that's helped them a lot. I, it's from when we were looking at the teams at the start of the season, they were like one of the, the bottom three at least. 10th, 11th as example, but now, now they've brought in some, they've brought in some like firepower and some good net minding. They're, they're, they're challenging for the playoffs at, at least. They, they, I mean, some of the games, yeah, they'll they'll be terrible. But as we all know, players have bad games every now and again, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I you know I completely agree. Obviously, we started off we slated the team. In terms of experience, probably not one of the most experienced in the league. You know, in comparison to the number of NHL, AHL. Even ECHL games that some of the other teams in the league have, Coventry really weren't anywhere to be seen in, in that aspect. Um, but, do you know what I said at the start of the season? It's, sometimes it's the underdogs that you know get those results. The The fan base have really stepped it up at home, so their barn really is a um, it really is a fortress to go into. Again, it really is a place that it, it becomes difficult to get a win. Um, I, I think it's nice to see. Uh, and it may be down to the fact that there's a little bit less pressure on them now. Um 
you know, there's, there's, there's not the pressure on them to get the win every time because they've they've probably they've been a bottom half contender of the league for the majority of the last few seasons. You know, they've not had the most impressive team on paper this year. So I think that lack of pressure as well has given them a bit of a boost. But you know, they're sitting in sixth place in the league at the moment. Same points as the Steelers, but having played four less games. So they're certainly doing something right. Amanda? Yeah, doing real well uh, this season, uh, better than, than I certainly thought they would do. Um, it's a bit of inconsistency at the moment, um, hopefully, and maybe they'll, they'll manage to resolve that and, and, and get a good run of uh, wins going. Uh, but yeah, they've certainly exceeded my expectations this season so far, so uh, hopefully there'll be more, more good things to see from them. No, it's. Uh, I think it is very much a, a cross-panel uh, thoughts. And, and if you want to send more questions in, you can do it via um, Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, we have the the My Fancy Zamboni podcast page, and on Twitter uh, at MFZ Podcast. Fire your questions through, and um, you get to hear the thoughts of myself, Gref, Joe, and Andy. Yeah, we'll try not to miss them. We do apologise if we do, but it can get. Um, a bit difficult sometimes, particularly the ones that come earlier on in the week. Um, but yeah, no, it's always nice to hear the questions. Um, our bit of participation, particularly towards the end, it's always nice to have a bit of a, um, a comparison, particularly as we get towards uh, the start of the week once the games have gone, um, is the comparison, well, uh, well, you know, the, uh, the, the predictions for the games up and coming. So I've got them in front of me here. Um, we're starting on Wednesday the 21st of November which is tomorrow uh, we will do our best to get this podcast out before then but it can be difficult for us to get it out in a day so we apologise if we can't get it out before then uh, but the first game is the Cardiff Devils versus the Five Flyers in Cardiff um, a big fixture as always and as was proved a couple of weeks ago Gref, what are we expecting from that? I'm expecting a, a Cardiff win by I'd say two goals Dave? Cardiff to win in overtime. Andy? Mm -hmm. I think the Cardiff win by one goal. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go five to win in overtime. I think five have pulled a few of those, uh, pulled a few of those games through. Um, the second game tomorrow is a free sports game. So if you are free, um, tune in to listen, uh, to have a watch and listen to Aaron Murphy's um, commentary on that game. It's Coventry versus Guildford Flames uh, in Coventry. Dave, what do we think? Guildford by two goals. Greth? Guildford by two goals as well. Andy? Uh, I think Guildford by three. Again, I'm going to go the other way. We've said, uh, I, you know, I've said Coventry turning their arena into a bit more of a fortress again, turning the Sky Dome into a place that's a bit more difficult to go and get the points. I'm going to go with a Coventry win by one goal, but in regulation. Um, moving on to Saturday, the Coventry Blaze take on the Giants, fresh off the back of the Conti Cup run. Um, it is in Coventry. Andy, what do we think? Uh, I think Belfast by two. Greth? I said Belfast in all, in all the time. Dave? I'm going to say Belfast by three goals. 
Uh, yeah, I'm fairness. I think this is another one that's going to prove Jay's point. I think it's going to be one where they play a good game on Wednesday and then they come back on Saturday and don't have the best game. I I'd agree with you, Dave. Belfast by three, I think. Uh, then we've got Dundee playing a home fixture against Fife. I'm gonna. I'll kick this one off. I think Fife are going to get this by two goals. Um, Dave. Local derby. Dundee to win in overtime. Andy. Uh, I reckon Fife in overtime. Gref. I think Fife by two. Uh, then we have a home fixture for Glasgow, who take on the Guildford Flames. Um, Andy, what do you reckon? Um, I think Guildford by one. Yeah, I'm going to go Guildford by two, I think. Gref? I'd say Guildford by one. Dave? I'm going to go Guildford by two as well. So we've got a Guildford full house on that one. Then we've got Manchester at home to the Cardiff Devils. Um, we'll start with you, Greth, because we know that you're a homer. In this case, I'm going with Cardiff by one. <laughs> Cardiff by one. In fairness, like, I think saying Cardiff by one is still being a homer. Um, I'm going to say Cardiff by three. Dave? Um... <laughs> Cardiff by two. Andy? Uh, I'll just go with Joe and Cardiff by three. Sorry, Greth. Uh, and then the final fixture for Saturday is Milton Keynes versus Nottingham Panthers in Milton Keynes. Um, I'll keep this one off. Do you know what? I'm going to go with a Milton Keynes. I'm going to go with a rate, uh, an overtime win for MK. Greth? I'm going to say Nottingham but in overtime. Dave? Milton Keynes in overtime. Andy? Nottingham by one. So all uh, predicting a very close game on that one. Uh, and then we move on to Sunday. So we've got Steelers versus Manchester in Sheffield. Dave, do you want to kick us off with that one? Steelers win by three. Andy? Steelers by two. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Andy. I'm going to go Steelers by two. Greth, what do you think? Starve on penalty shots. And he goes back to being a homer. Um, then we've got Cardiff versus Milton Keynes in Cardiff. Can only see this going one way person. I'm going to go Cardiff by three. Um, Greth, what do you reckon? I'd say Cardiff by four. Andy? Cardiff by four. Dave? Cardiff by three. Uh, then we move on again. Guildford versus Belfast in Guildford. Um, Dave, do you want to kick us off? Belfast by one. Greth? I'd say Belfast by one as well. Andy? Belfast in overtime. I'm going to go for a bit more of a blowout. I think Belfast by three. Um, and then we have Fife versus Dundee in Kakodi. Gref, start us off with this one. I'm going to say five by two. Dave? I'm going to join Gref and say five by two. Andy? Five by one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dave and Gref. I think five by two. Um, so that brings the fixtures for the weekend up today um, as Dave's already said do get in touch with us 
you got any questions, if you've got any feedback, or um, you know, you just want to tell us what you think, if you disagree with us, by all means let us know. It's at MFZ Podcast on Twitter. It's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Um, but for the time being, thank you very much from everybody here. Thank you very much, Gref. Thank you very much for having me. Andy, thank you very much. As always, thank you. And Dave, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot to everybody who's listened, um, and we'll be back soon with another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.